Hello, I am Riley Wilson, and welcome to the Band of One podcast. This podcast is created to help anyone that wants to be a more successful solo performer or become a solo performer and avoid a lot of the pratfalls and mistakes myself and some of my contemporaries have made. I have over 50 years of live performance experience. We'll also include tips from other top pros worldwide who've done the same thing in their regions. My desire is to make this actionable as well as entertaining. If you like what we do, subscribe and don't forget to share. Here's part two of my interview with guitarist, vocalist, harmonica player, singer-songwriter Yancey Stevens. All right, now, one of the things earlier you mentioned, and we need to talk about that, and that's recordings. I know that you did the Circulate record, but you've done some other recordings. Obviously, we'll we'll have to uh, have a place for people that may want to get copies of that from you, but... What other, have you done any, any solo recordings with just you and your voice and the harmonica or anything like that? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Kim O'Connor's bass player, uh, Luke Nichols, he had a studio over in, um, I'm trying to remember. Is it Farmersville? Uh, it was south of Fort Worth. Uh, Crowley, over in Crowley. Yeah. I went over there and I, made a CD of uh, 16 cowboy songs after I got through. That was just me solo. After I did that, I had uh, my keyboard player from my band who played accordion and the, the bass player who could play stand-up bass uh, brought them in and added them and did the same 16 songs with a, as a three-piece. Already had all of my parts down, so I added in the bass and the accordion and their harmony vocals. And so I made two CDs at once there. One was just me by myself with no harmonies, just guitar, harmonica, my voice, and my feet. I actually recorded my feet. And then after that was completed, I brought um, David Cure. That's, that's my keyboard player, incredible keyboard player. And he played uh, the uh, accordion when we did strolling cowboy gigs because, you know, you didn't use electricity. And then uh, John Harvey, who played on the acoustic bass. And uh, I just laid their tracks down on the bass and the accordion and then added their vocals. And so we had a three-part uh, cowboy trio. Wow, that's that's really cool. So so uh, not just playing solo, but also recording solo as well as doing uh, some fleshed-out things. Let me ask you a question along those lines. What was what were some of the odd gigs or some of the unusual or maybe just fun gigs you did as a solo player? Oh, man, that's a good question. <laughs> I got hired by the city of Fort Worth so many times I couldn't count them. Uh, they would have me just go down on the street and play. It's almost like I was busking. Yep. I was not supposed to take tips, but I did. You know, people come up and give you a tip. They get offended if you don't take it. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Why would we deny them that pleasure? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, they're not supposed to see me taking a tip. So they would come up, I'd be singing, and I'd point at my sound hole on the guitar, and the, I'd say, in the middle of a verse, I'd say, drop the money in the hole. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and uh, they would do that. And, and sometimes when I got through playing down there, I'd have to shake like, you know, $50 out of my guitar. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. You know what? I can jog your memory about a gig you and me and Kim all three did together. And this is going back probably to the late 90s, but somehow Kim, who was, again, the kind of the, uh, the, the master of ceremonies of putting all this stuff together, 
had a, a dozen bus tour, and it was a bunch of folks going from Dallas, I think, to Fort Worth or to Arlington or somewhere. And we were supposed to get in our cowboy gear, right, hat and boots and jeans and guitars, and play and sing as we're riding across the freeway from Dallas to Fort Worth. Do you remember that? I do. I remember that very well. And the reason I remember that, they put three cowboys on each bus. <laughs> you remember that? I do, yeah. Okay. Well, on my bus, it was me and the bass player from Breckenridge. They just put a guitar in his hand and told him to go there. And he just kind of sang along with me. But the third one was a, not a cowboy. It was a cowgirl. And it was Miss Devon. I can't remember her last name. But she was the, uh, the yodeling cowgirl that was in Toy Story. She's uh, at the first one. I think it was the first one. She's the one is at the end of that. Oh, wow. You know, she's one of my Facebook friends. I think she's very attractive, but when she did that, they wouldn't let her, you know, they had, uh, she's singing with uh, the new writers. Is that what they call themselves? The the cowboy group? Yep. She was singing. They were playing the music, and she was the yodeling cowgirl, but they didn't want her in there, so they, it's her voice, but they had an actress lip-syncing her voice on the video wow. when you look at it. It's not her. But uh, she's she's still playing around here quite a bit. She's uh, all over Texas playing right now. She's she became very uh, popular and famous off of just that on uh, on Facebook. I get all these. She's always sending where she's playing, and so she's doing a lot of work right now. That's great. One of the nice things about any area, and I think you probably would agree with this, but I think it's important wherever you are, meet the other musicians, get out and try and let people know who you are and what you do, and of course. Publicity is always an important thing about getting work, but I want to talk about your feet. My what? <laughs> your feet. You said oh, you use feet. your feet on the gig, so uh, stamp this one out for us. What are you doing with your feet, Yancey? You got to wash them every day. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have a special soap you use to wash these feet? No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what I do with my feet is, you know, it, it's just like uh, a lot of times I take a uh, a special board that I, I had uh, that I varnished and uh, it would give me a good sound. I don't wear taps or anything. I just wear cowboy boots and, uh, and I'll, when I'm doing it, I'll just kind of, it's like you're marching almost, but you're doing either one or three for the measures or two or four, unless you're doing a waltz, then you're going to just do one. Yeah. The first beat of each measure. And uh, so it's hard to say, but you know, I don't like do ballet dancing or anything. I just give a rhythm. It's kind of a steady rhythm, like a bass drum going along with your music. So I'm not going to be able to ask you to go on Dancing with the Stars? No, no, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, so you, w w let's say you're playing in a, a fairly big gig. It's 50, 100 people. Obviously, you've got to have amplification. Do you have a, a mic on the board, or what do you use? Oh, when I'm playing solo with the cowboy thing? Yeah. Um, actually, um, if they're asking for amplification at this point, I add a writer to my contract and say, you're going to have to hire a sound company because I am not going to set it up and I'm not going to tear it down. Interesting. So it literally is just you, the guitar, the harmonica. Right. And uh, the trio was hired by, uh, I don't know if I've got the name right, but it was... The, the ladies of construction, it was all ladies, females, that were construction bosses from across the country. And it was at the, um, what is that big 
hotel there in Dallas. Um, you're talking about uh, not the Westin, but the um, um, Rats. I can see it on the 35 right now. Yeah, it's on when you're going south, it's on the right-hand side. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've played a lot there, but it was there. They wanted us to play Cowboy Trio, and I remember we were Cowboy Trio. They had one song that we had to learn for that, which was Taken Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive, a Cowboy Trio playing that. <laughs> when they booked us, they had a, a stage there that they wanted us to play some music on the stage, and I told them, I said, we're totally acoustic. And I said, but if you get a good sound company, they can mic us. And uh, they did. They hired to put a writer in the contract, got a sound company there, and they mic'd us. And we played on the stage and did Taking Care of Business at the appropriate time and a bunch of other songs, too. By the way, the the, the room we're thinking about, the hotel, is the Wyndham Anatole. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in Dallas, if you play that hotel at least once, then you're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've played it dozens and dozens of times. I mean, even all the way back to when I had my R&B group, you know, little trio. We played that, and then I told them, I said, you can get the best of both worlds with us. We can play on the stage. And I, I remember telling the sound company, you know, I said, we do, we're not going to plug in. And they said, you're not. And they said, they said, we got direct boxes. I said, I don't care. I said, we're not going to plug in. And I told them exactly how to mic us. I said, put two mics down low, face it into us, put two mics over our head, uh, coming down, booming in down. And we're just going to stand there and play like we always do. And you, Micah, so you're going to pick up our ambient sound and you just keep it from feeding back and send it out as much as you can. And that's all we want. And we did that. And it sounded great. That's when I learned how to do that. And I remember I asked somebody before we did, I said, how to, and they said, do that, you know. Wow. And they, we had one little, um, one little mic, right? They put one more right in front of us. And like if I had a guitar solo that I was going to play on the guitar, I'd step up to the mic. And and then Dave, if he had an accordion solo, he would step up to it. But uh, other than that, we just let the ambient sound because we're so used to doing that. And it's amazing how, you know, when you got three guys doing that, you're used to balancing your sound by ear and you just do it naturally. And all the sound people have to do is just kind of dial it in. Yes. And then they would give us a little bit back in the monitors, and that's all we needed, you know? Wow. That's incredible. And then uh, also we, we told the ladies that had hired us, we said, we can do this, and when we're not on the stage, we can walk around strolling and go table to table and do special requests, and we did that also. That's incredible. So we got a glowing uh, compliments to our agent from that for that show. So here's another question along these lines. Obviously, you you played guitar for a long, long time and are an excellent guitar player. But you told me a while back, and I had this same conversation with Kim O'Connor many years ago, and that is the guitar takes a backseat to your vocals, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much it does because you have to, you know, the vocals are what sell it. If you just sat there and played the guitar, most people wouldn't even hire you. So you do, you do need vocals. Let me ask a question. You've been basically a professional musician or working musician since you were in elementary school. What's the best part of doing solo gigs now for you? It's, it's really, um, it's not just the ease of the gig, but it's, uh, you get the musical fulfillment that, you know, every musician needs. They want to get up and play and, you know, show their uh, talents to people and, Hopefully the people will appreciate it. You know, most of the time 
people ignore the musician, but, you know, every once in a while you get people who just really are taken with what you do. And when you find people that come up and they, they just love what you do and they want you to go work at some event that they're having, that's wonderful. And it just opens more and more doors for you. You just, it's networking. You know, you network yourself out and you get your music out. And that's one of the main things I'm looking forward to doing now. I'm at an older age. I want to get everything I've written uh, re recorded so that when I'm dead and gone, there'll be um, some memory of what I've done that can uh, be passed on through the generations. Hopefully it will, but you, you don't know. Well, I, th I think that's something that all of us want to do. The, one of the main reasons for this podcast is that I know people like you. Of course, we had friends with people like Kim O'Connor. There's so many other players, uh, not just here in Texas, uh, musicians that I've known from the Carolinas, from my time in California, at music school, et cetera. And I think it's really important that those of us that have something to say, that have some accumulated skills and some knowledge, share it with people just getting going. Imagine hearing this information when you were 18 years old or 21 years of age and somebody says, hey, you know what? I can see where you're headed, but let me encourage you to do this as a solo performer, as a solo artist. Um, I couldn't conceive of that until probably two years before I moved to Texas. A fellow guitar player uh, in Raleigh, uh, a guitar player named Chris, who's a guitar teacher, actually encouraged me about playing a gig with him. Uh, which uh, was at an Italian restaurant, and that's where I got my start, which we've talked about on another podcast. But here's the big question, Yancey. Would you have pursued this life of music, including guitar and bands and school and gigs and all that, would you pursue it now knowing what you, uh, if you know, knowing now what you know now, would you pursue it back then? Oh, absolutely. But there's some things I would have done differently. As a matter of fact, my daughter, who has just turned 23 yesterday, She's a world-class violinist. I mean, she's, um, she's about to graduate from the University of North Texas. She plays circles around me. I mean, she started playing the violin when she was in diapers, and it amazes me how good she is. I started playing in church a while back, um, picking up jobs here and there, working for churches, and I got into uh, contemporary Christian music that way. But she started playing with me at the last church job I had just by accident, totally by accident, and now she's the choir director in that church. But I told her, I said, if there's only one thing I can tell you to do now that I wish I had done when I was back at your age, it's start writing. Start writing a song a week. And I'll tell all you musicians out there, start writing that is the gift that never stops giving. If you can get just one, if you can like write a thousand songs and you need to just get one of them on Billboard's Top 100, country, rock, it doesn't matter what genre, just get one of them there. It's going to pay you for the rest of your life. You look at a, uh, a person like Dean Dillon, songwriter. He's written uh, multiple number one hits in the country genre. Uh, for George Strait, Alan Jackson, on and on. He's a multimillionaire now, and he hardly plays gigs. That is where the money is, and I wish I would have done that when I started doing that when I was 18. Here I am, I'm 70, and I'm talking about getting my songs that I've written, uh, recorded for posterity's sake. If they ever do hit, the only person's going to get any benefit out of it is my children. 
I will tell everybody, do that. It's more important than performing. Get your songs written and record them. Don't worry about the copywriting. Once you write them and you play them in front of people, they're copywritten. If somebody steals your music, feel complimented. You can get a lawyer and you'll get money out of him. It's not hard to prove you wrote a song. Just look at George Harrison, uh, what they got out of him for My Sweet Lord. He uh, wrote that by accident. He had, he, it was in his subconscious, but he wrote it, and they were able to get a, a verdict out of it. But he wrote so many other hit songs, he, and he gets millions of dollars of royalties from his other songs. Well, for example, I put out one record, one CD called Circulate. And I didn't get any royalties out of it because I, um, I did get royalties, but it was accidental. Uh, I did the, the record myself, paid for it myself. I owned my own publishing company. I advise everybody to do that. Get your own publishing company. And if you're the sole writer, you will get 100% of the royalties. And if, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just look into it a little further. Well, I won't go into that. The song Circulate, the title song of that record, was picked up. I didn't even know it until I started getting the checks by this cartoon show called Duck Dodgers in the 23rd Century. And they, they used what is called Q, which is just a little piece of the song. And I started getting royalty checks off of that. And royalty checks are paid quarterly, once every three months. And while the, song, while the um, show was playing on television, I think it was on the cable channels, it was playing quite a bit around the world. So I was getting pretty good checks. And the song, I never did anything with any other song, but that's the only thing I got money out of there. And I thought, wow, what if one of the songs had gotten on the Billboard Top 100? But that didn't happen. But I do have a friend in uh, Cleburne by the name of Paul Frazier who co-wrote Amarillo by Morning, which was recorded by George Strait. He did not own his um, publishing company. The publishing company was somebody else. And if you don't know, the publishing company gets 50% of the royalties. That's why you should own your publishing company. He was a 25% shareholder in the song Amarillo by Morning. I asked him when I, when I was playing in Cleburne, recorded Circulate, somebody sent him out there saying that I needed some songs for my record. He brought me a CD with 10 songs on it. They were all great. He's a good songwriter. And I asked him, I said, Paul, when Amarillo by Morning went number one, how much did you get in royalties? He says, my first check was over $10,000. And uh, I said, how much are you getting now? Because it was way past it being a hit. Uh, he says, well, he said, it varies. He said, but every quarter I get at least $500. One song, he's never had any other hit. And he has 25% of the royalties on that song. Well, that song, for those folks that don't live in Texas, is still a huge tune. In fact, half of my gigs, I can't go without playing it. I played it for a show today. So, uh, absolutely. Wonderful. Yancey, this has been uh, really illuminating and really eye-opening. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure that our listening audience has as well. Anything you'd like to add before we wrap up today? What I would like to add is that if you're going to do it, if you're going to play music, practice at least. 30 minutes a day. Uh, if you're going to sing uh, and play an instrument, whatever you play, practice that instrument at least 30 minutes a day. It's kind of like lifting weights. You just get stronger and stronger. Uh, and if you're going to sing too, you need to practice singing too. 
so you do them both. Do practice your instrument 30 minutes a day, practice your singing 30 minutes a day. And then if you're going to write, which I suggest you do, do as much of that as possible. Try to write a song a week. That's terrific. That's terrific. Finally, uh, do you have a website or something like that we can refer people to that might want to get a copy of Circulator or some of your other recordings? No, I don't. I, I did have a website, but since I'm uh, semi-retired, I was paying a lot for the website and I just let it go. If somebody wanted uh, wanted to get, uh, I don't have any more Circulate. I only printed a thousand copies of that. As a matter of fact, I had a friend of mine come by. I had about when I got Circulate made, I had cassette tapes made too, which was kind of stupid because they were going obsolete at the time. And even the CDs are obsolete now. But um, he came by and I gave him about 15 cassette tapes left and I gave them all to this friend of mine because he, I told him, I said, I'm, I said, I'm semi-retired. I said, but I don't want to just get out and start doing some sit-down solo gigs that's not really uh, any pressure to it. I'll just go out and play, and he wants to book me. <laughs> he wants to get into the booking of it. So I told him, I said, uh, i tell you what, you book me. I'll give you a standard agent's cut. We'll just have some fun doing it. And uh, I said, you can have these uh, tapes to give to people if you want to. And I don't have any CDs left because I only made a thousand and I sold all of them. The only thing that I have is the uh, solo cowboy CD and the so uh, the cowboy trio CD. I do have those. And if somebody wanted to uh, get some of those, they could just email me at uh, yanceystevens at gmail dot com, and I, you know, just give me your information. I'll mail you one. Terrific, terrific. Well, Yancey, thank you very much. As I said, this has been a, a, a learning experience for me, and it's been fun to get this uh, recorded and hope people like it. You've been listening to the Band of One podcast. I'm Riley Wilson, and thanks for joining us. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us at your convenience. You can also contact me directly at guitarmadesimpler.com. See you next time.